0: Welcome to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 78. Today, we're going to have a fun one for you. We're going to talk a little bit about news. We got uh, some interesting stuff revolving around JJ Watt being released. We're going to discuss that, our thoughts on that. Uh, we're going to have a little Valentine's Day special for you. Uh, we love you, and we hope you're uh, loving the show. So we'll talk. Uh, we'll dive into that. I think you'll enjoy it. And then um, lastly, we're going to do a little bit of Would You Rathers. For those loyal listeners who've been around for a while, you'll remember this from the previous offseason. Uh, it is definitely a Weekly Spiral special, and we are looking forward to that. Um, and then in the future, we're going to be doing a lot of draft coverage. So as we get closer, stay tuned for that. But today, I'd like to introduce my co-hosts, Matthew
1: Durgan and Casey Sully. How are you guys doing? I am doing good. The rest of the world seems to be freezing over, but here in uh, sunny California, it's only uh raining on some days, so can't complain about the fact I can't I can go outside, and most people can't.
2: yeah, things things are going well, and uh hopefully. Mr. Gavin Newsom lets the kids play and high school football returns and, you know, gives the, the seniors a shot to, to finish their high school careers in, in the correct way. So uh, looking forward to hearing a positive announcement in that regard. But as far as NFL football goes, first week of no football. First Sunday yep. in a long time. So here we are. Uh, the weekends are now a little bit more free. You can do some more deep dives on college prospects and, and catch up on all that kind of stuff. I know Durgan's been working hard on that. So excited for draft season, and uh, there's already a little bit of moving and a shaking in in the offseason player personnel world. So we will touch on that with J.J. Watt in a, in a second. Cyrus, so how are you doing?
0: I'm good, man. I'm good. It's definitely weird not having football. I, I agree with yep. you. First weekend without it, it's it's an adjustment. Um, you know, you, you kind of... Through, for the for the 16 17 20 ish weeks whatever it is you have your sundays kind of planned out um you know there's a little treat on thursdays you know you're not quite at the weekend yet but you got some football and then you got to kind of sit through monday night football which is usually not very good and there's just there's just that routine that that kind of is gone now and, and i think i, I kind of miss it
2: yeah. yeah for sure for sure turning on the red zone we haven't had red zone in in like a month now i know we've had to you know just sit through these commercials (laughs) it's, it's been a slog man but we made it through some really good games in the playoffs and and i know at least for the packers now i'm a little bit excited for, for the draft and, and for free agency and seeing, you know, I'm all in on that Texans drama. I can't wait to see what Jack Easterby does next and how that uh, that organization can fall even even further into the depths of... Uh, Hell. Uh, no, that's a bad word. H, it's the <laughs> H word, okay? It's the H word.
0: Yeah, I you know, we're going to miss football. Will the Texans miss J.J. J. Watt? They recently released him. Let's talk about it. Durgan yep. what do you think about this uh this move what do you think about JJ Watts legacy as a whole um you know as a as a Texans player I know he, he was closely tied to that community as well um, probably one of the best Texans players of all time but what are your what are your thoughts here on on this in general and just JJ Watt as well
1: yeah JJ uh, Watts one of my favorite players in the league and I think he's the greatest player in Texans history now, of course he had the success on the field I and mean, he had the that- Know three to five year stretch where he was dominant. I mean, he was on pace being one of the best defenders of all time. Of course, his body started breaking down, the past few years haven't been as good, but um, what he did off the field is just as incredible as we did on the field uh, after the hurricane. He stepped up efforts, raised money, I think it was over four million dollars he helped raise. So, absolutely incredible what he's done for that community. And I think because of that, the Texans did him a solid, uh, they, they released him where they could have they, they traded him and got a draft pick. There is absolutely no doubt about it. But they saw he wanted out, and they're saying, okay, we have so much negativity around our front office right now, around this organization, we're going to do you a solid. We're going to lease you, get nothing back, but you're going to pick where you want to go. So it's as fun as it is, I love crapping all over the Texans, especially how they're dealing with the... Watson's situation, how they dealt with Hopkins last year. I think they did a really uh, nice thing for J.J. Watt here, and he deserved it, so uh, good for him. In terms of where he is going to go, I have two main options I think he's going to go. My first one, I think the favorite, is Packers. He's a Wisconsin guy, uh, and they don't they have Kenny Clark, but they only have another big body defensive tackle in there. Uh, so if he goes in there, he's going to gain a lot of single coverage uh, with those edge rushers, so he'll, if he stays healthy... I think have a really nice year. And also, they're a good team. They're one of the best teams in NFC. So he doesn't want to spend more time being on a team like the Texans that's rebuilding. So I don't think the fact that the Packers don't have much salary cap is an issue. I think he's going to come at a discount. Uh, it kind of depends on how much of a discount he wants to take. If he wants to go for the league minimum, he can go anywhere he wants. And just pick, you know, go to the Bucks even. Uh, but if you want to see you know, a nice payday, okay one, while also playing for a contender, I think the Packers could do that. Uh, second one is the Steelers, and it's mostly because of his brothers on the team. And they're the odds-on favorite in Vegas right now. Uh, Fifth perspective, they have Hayward, they have They've That's pretty good uh, defensive tackle duo. But if you add J.J. Watt, you absolutely do it. And I think he is intrigued by the fact he's never played as his brothers all on the same team because he's like seven years older or six years older than TJ. So they never played together. I think that's what he really wants to do. Uh, other teams that are dark horses: Seahawks, Bills, Rams. All contending teams that need a pass rush. Um, Rams not so much of Aaron Donald, but can you imagine Aaron Donald, J.J. No, Watt, once you punch no. in the middle, that would be disgusting. I, I would. You couldn't run the ball against him. You'd run everything outside. It would suck. Uh, but it comes down to what he wants to do. So um, I'm happy of how it all went down, and I wish him nothing but the best.
0: I swear, if he goes to the Rams. I, it's such a Rams move. Like, you could totally see that happening. Like, yep. go all in for Matthew Stafford. Now go get Watt. I, oh, my
2: God. That
0: cannot happen. We must stop this. <laughs> hey, I agree. I agree.
2: What do yeah, you think? Combining combining him on the edge with Aaron Donald in the middle, and uh, you know, I, I feel like the, the Rams haven't had a true edge pass rusher or somebody that can demand double teams on the outside. I mean, they had Leonard Floyd, but uh, they haven't had a, yeah. an elite guy there that can sort of move and bump inside and and outside and do some things like J.J. Watt. So, combining him with Aaron Donald would uh, make that front very difficult to deal with, sort of like uh, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I I don't think. Well, it depends. If they if they want to pay Shaq Barrett and bring him back, go ahead. Um, but he's going to cost a pretty penny now that he's put together two years to back-to-back where he's he's produced some pretty good numbers. But <clears throat> apparently the Browns are also one of the top places where J.J. Watt is, is interested. And, uh, you know, it depends what J.J. wants. Like, does he want money? Or does he want a chance to compete? Uh, he probably also wants to be single teamed for the first time in his career since like high school, probably. Um, so if you have Miles Garrett on the opposite side, you know, that frees stuff up for you. Um, the Browns have some cap space. So if he wants to get paid and be on a relative contender and have someone to help him on the defensive line, the Browns might might be a fit, too. Um but he, he's still a very, very good player. He's only 31 years old. It feels like he's been in the league for an eternity, and he's you know at the end. But I think he's got a number of good years left in him. And he sort of feels to me like a Julius Peppers signing when, when Peppers was sort of – people thought he was on the decline, but he still had three or four really, really solid years with the Packers after he left Carolina. Um, but he's going to make a team – he could be a piece – for a team that sort of puts them over the top. Um, I think, like you said, the Packers are, are a solid place for him to go. He's a he's a Wisconsin guy. Um, and thinking about Zadarius Smith and Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary and J.J. Watt all being front four for the Packers uh, is pretty nice. That being said, if you're gonna make a splash, the Packers need a lot of help in the secondary. They need a second cornerback because Kevin King is going to be gone. They need somebody there. So, do you want to invest that money on the defensive line and just say that's hey, that's those are our money makers? They better get home and they better get home quickly. And you know, we're just get get someone that doesn't destroy us at the number two corner position. Like, just be perfectly average. Don't lose us a game. We don't expect you to like lock anybody down, but just. Don't lose us a game like Kevin King did. Yeah. Um well you got so, the
0: shutdown already with Jair, right? So you Yeah, just
2: so need they're somebody to not target. screw
0: up. Like that's exactly, all you need. Exactly. And then the exactly. best secondary, we've talked about this, is a good pass rush. So J- I think JJ Watt would help. Probably even would help Kevin King if he was there. Like honestly. Yeah,
2: for sure. For sure. But
0: um I mean, you already got the hardest part of the secondary which is J- Jair Alexander. So I'm, I don't I'm I'm not worried if I'm you. I'm I'm like just bring in somebody who's average at their job and then let's get J.J. Watt up in this.
2: Yeah, but that's a little bit harder than you made. Really, the Packers are 30 over the cap right now, so they're going to have to make some cuts, some restructuring to make that work. Um, we'll see what the cap ends up being once it's solidified. Um, but there, it may be like you can only draft or, sorry, you can only sign one free agent if you're the Packers. And if you can only draft sign one, you know now you got a decision to make because usually rookie corners are pretty bad um so either you rely on somebody that's in your system and you think maybe josh jackson is the guy uh i don't really know but jj watt's gonna make some team very happy uh you know two years ago he had 16 sacks he didn't have as much production this year um he had a couple injuries but still very active in the run game. He's a difference maker. There's really nobody else on that defensive line for Houston. So we've seen a lot of double teams, a lot of chipping from the, the running backs and tight ends and stuff. So he, he's going to make somebody very happy. And I'll, I have another question for you guys after Cyrus gives his thoughts, but uh, staying in Houston and Deshaun Watson. But Cyrus, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I you guys covered it pretty much. Uh, my only thing would, would be, I think people forget how dominant J.J. Watt has been like throughout his career. This is a dude who has hit 20 plus sacks multiple times in his career. Like he he was Aaron Donald before Aaron Donald. Like this guy was a force to be reckoned with. Yes, he hasn't been 100% healthy. Yes, his production dropped off a little bit. Um I don't know that I entirely blame him necessarily too. Like he was this team for for a good period. Like that was the, he was the identity of this team as a defensive player, which doesn't happen too often. So I feel like recently people are sort of un, not underestimating, I don't know what the word is. What am I what am I looking to say here? People are under undervaluing undervaluing not necessarily giving him the respect that he deserves as a defensive player. He's been in the league 10 years. He he has over 100 sacks. That's a double digit average per per season. He's he's one of the best defensive players to touch an NFL field. So, if you can get him even at 31, I think he's a, a great option assuming he can stay healthy. So, that's my thoughts. Casey, what was your question?
2: I was just going to say, how, how do you feel if you're Deshaun Watson, seeing, you know, maybe the last real playmaker on your team just be cut, when you ha- yourself have requested to be cut and traded for months now, and then JJ does it. I know they're a little bit different caliber and, and sure. kind of guys if within that organization, but. All of a sudden, you're like, "Well, he just got cut, and you you were willing to work with him, but you're not willing to work with me and find me uh, a trade partner and get you guys some some picks back because there's literally nothing here. What am I supposed to do with this team? Like, does that only, you know, cement where Deshaun Watson is and and solidify that he's going to hold out or or what?
1: So, so I, well, I think go, go ahead, sorry, had, no, no, right. no, it's all you, buddy. so so Watson has he has two feet out the door he he wants out and the reason I mean he he has to be realistic in his thinking of him you know compared to J.J. Watt because he just signed a contract last year Mm -hmm. so he he kind of knew what he was getting into not this bad obviously but uh he knew that you know the team was kind of thin in some positions so I mean John Watson has every right to want to be out but there's absolutely no way they would cut him because they would owe him a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And also, he's a hell of a player. And J.J. Watt, you know, we've been seeing how good he is. He's 31, and he's on the back end of his career. He's been beat up. So, of course, he has value, and you could have traded him for a second or third round pick maybe. But when you look on his contract, he's been on there longer. I think more of a, a sign that the Texans know, yeah, Watson's on the way out as it is. Let's just totally restart. And maybe they were trying to do right some of the wrongs we've made in the past uh, so that we are an organization that cares about the players, even though they really don't. But if you're just on Watson, you're just like, yeah, I, I know you guys suck. That's why I want out. That's why I requested a trade. And it's going to tough to trade them because of the asking price that the Texans will ask. And no matter what, I think the Texans will get less than what they hope for. But Deshaun Watson, uh, he's, he's the right on the wall. I don't think he's too surprised about how this went down.
0: Yeah, I think, if anything, this might signal that a Deshaun Watson trade is on the horizon. Maybe. I mean, obviously, there's no way to know the inner workings of that organization. You never want to let go of a young franchise quarterback that you just recently signed. But, I mean, J.J. Watt is probably your best player out of, outside of Deshaun Watson and you just released him, right? So, yes, he's a Texans legend, but at the same time, does this signal just an overall rebuild for the Texans? And I think it might. And I could see a situation where a new head coach comes in and says, I don't want to have a franchise quarterback that doesn't want to be here. GM, go do your job, get us the best return possible, and let's just rebuild. I mean, if, if the ownership is okay with that, and it seems like they're in that position where they might even just have to do that, regardless of whether they want to or not, um, that that might be this might be the first domino to fall for the Texans organization in an eventual rebuild and it won't be a retool this will be a full blown rebuild in yeah. uh, in Texas and um it's kind of sucks because it feels like the Texans have been teetering for the longest time on being a potentially good contending team there's talent on that team i mean and then you draft Sean Watson who proved a lot of people wrong and and uh balled out he's pretty much up through now he's been playing phenomenally and Now they're on the brink of just being worse than they were probably they've been for a long time. So it sucks for the Texans, but I think it's inevitable. And I think J.J. Watt was the first sort of piece to go. Deshaun Watson will probably be somewhere else at some point next season. Does
2: that answer your question, Casey? Are you you satisfied with our thoughts? And (laughs) yeah, I'll give you I'll give you guys like a B plus B plus A minus. I'll hey, think, if he's you know, get degrees, baby, let's go. Right, <laughs> that's that's true. That is true. Uh, let's let's dive into our next segment. Unless you want to, t- unless you want to give us your thoughts, Casey. No, I think you guys hit most of it. Um, but I, I mean, I think the Texans have to just say they're willing to listen. Like whether they're outwardly, inwardly, whatever their you know position is, if they're willing to listen to JJ J. Watt and him requesting a, a trade or a, to be cut, you gotta realize. You know, I don't know what GM looks at this roster and says, "Oh, I would rather have like a." Well, this might be a controversial take, but Ooh, yeah. I'd rather have Deshaun Watson right now and this roster versus like three or four first-round picks. Like this roster needs a lot of help, and it's not going to be like, yeah, you're going to have Deshaun Watson through the rebuild, and then his contract's going to be up. He's going to be 28, and he's probably not going to re-sign with you.
1: Wait, so so you're saying you'd rather have the first round picks than Deshaun Watson, if you're the Texans. That's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Well,
0: and I, so. there's nothing that says they're not listening. I mean, I'm sure any competent GM right now is doing his due diligence and seeing what he's worth. And I'm, they're probably stoked at what Stafford was traded for because that kind of set mm-hmm. the market. And Deshaun Watson's obviously more valuable at this point than Matthew Stafford. So the question is, what team has both the cap space and the assets to trade? And are they willing to do it? And that's probably a short list, right? So I think Dolphins. that the Texans are working on it, I'm sure, but it's not going to be this is not going to be an easy deal to make and it's going to take some some uh, maneuvering and some finesse and the last thing the Texans have had for recent years is any sort of finesse when it comes to deals. I mean, they gave up DeAndre Hopkins for like like basically almost nothing. So, I don't know. This this organization as a whole, we'll see what happens. I mean, they brought in a new GM, new coach, so hopefully they proved me wrong, but I'm not optimistic. <laughs> I'm not optimistic for the Texans. Uh, but let's transition here. Let's dive in. You know, In honor of Valentine's Day, which was this past Sunday, let's do a little segment where we discuss players that broke our hearts. These would be draft prospects that we were high on, that came into the league, maybe didn't live up to expectations, um, and then players who made us fall in love and made us believers in those players who maybe we weren't initially so high on and initially uh, excited about. And we'll start with you. Um, run us through yours.
1: Yes, my first heartbreak was Reggie Bush. Because he was the most mm-hmm. exciting player I've seen in college. He was like a human video game. It, it was incredible to watch. I hated USC, but I loved Reggie Bush. And when he would declare for the draft, everyone was like, okay, he's going to be number one pick. Which, looking back now, it's crazy to think a running back could be the number one overall pick. But that's how good Reggie Bush was. He went second overall to the Saints because of Mario Williams' Defensive end, picked by the Texans. Uh, he had an okay career, but he went first overall. And then Reggie Bush, he just didn't do much in NFL. I mean, he had some nice moments, some nice runs, some nice plays, but he was in the wrong era. If he, at his peak, was playing in today's NFL, where running backs are used as receivers and as, like, kind of weapons, I think he could be, like, an Alvin Kamara-type player. Like, he could be a stud. Because he could catch, he could run. just back then, he didn't really have the bulk Have 20 handoffs a game, so I was really disappointed on how he his career went. And he has to get injured towards the end of his career, towards ACL. So that was kind of it for him. But man, like he was as exciting as him and Johnny Manziel, the two most exciting players I've ever seen. Both became busts. So, what you see in the field doesn't always uh, translate NFL in terms of uh, college prospects.
2: Yeah, he certainly wasn't exciting. Guy to watch. I remember watching those USC games with Matt Leinart throwing yep. the ball and and Reggie Bush juking people out of their shoes. And you know he had a couple of those moments in the NFL, and you could see like the potential was almost there. It just like never got fully untapped yeah uh and which is kind of surprising you look back and think like well they had drew Brees and sean payton like why weren't the saints Mm -hmm. able to get more out of him because even during that time you had like darren sproles with the the eagles before you had some of these kind of scat backs that were utilized in ways that i think reggie bush could have been used more um but you know he he just never sort of like you said he's not he wasn't a bell cow back that was going to take 20-25 carries and yeah. when you draft someone at two overall you want that you actually. gotta you gotta have that out yeah. of at, at the running back position
0: yeah if you draft a two overall you need adrian peterson right you, you yeah. you're not you're not looking for a third down back um interestingly his best seasons were actually with miami and detroit and um you don't really remember that as much you think of him as a lot of on the saints and kind of underperforming but uh reggie bush is a, was a definitely an exciting player i actually met him in la once fun, Same fun here. story yeah? Yeah. yeah 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 fun
1: fact yeah uh, yeah uh, really was,
0: nice guy like i know he, you know he maybe didn't have as glorious of a career as we would have hoped but really cool dude
1: so i, I met him i met him and vince young <clears throat> because the year they played in the championship game was in L- L- la and like two days beforehand they were at disneyland and I was oh, at, nice. with my family. Yeah. So I, I saw him. I'm like, oh wow, like this guy's awesome. And I got a picture with him. And then my dad's like, Oh, get a picture with him too. And it was Vince Young, like separate times. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Who is this guy? Like, I don't Who's I don't know Vince who this Young? guy is. Yeah. <laughs> and like two days later he has like the greatest national championship game of all time. So yeah, that, was, a, he, a, that was a cool so trip.
0: Went on to lead the dream team to nowhere. Nothing, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Good times. Uh what about your your uh your love, I guess. My, what are we calling this one? love? Who the, made you a believer?
1: Yeah, who made me fall in love? And there it's go. no other than my guy, George Kittle. I had never heard of him before he got drafted. But quickly, I saw his rookie year. I'm like, okay, this guy can play. Like This guy, he knows what he's doing. Get him quarterback, and he'll be all right. And then Jimmy comes along, and I'm like, okay, you know, this this guy, you know, he, he has something in him. And then Niners every year, they're, well, before this year, I had like, a season ticket event where they have everyone comes, they have hors d'oeuvres, they have players come there you can talk to them it's pretty relaxed and nobody wants to talk to George Kittle like nobody so I started talking to him I talking for like, like 20 minutes and my dad and I are there he's the nicest guy I uh, couldn't be you know any more happy to talk to us and it was really cool I mean I've been going to that thing for years and he was by far my favorite player to do that with and I told my dad after that I'm like this guy is going to be a pro bowler my dad's like no he's not he's Niners like they suck and little do you know that next year he set at that time the record for uh, most receiving yards for our tight end. So ever since then, uh, he's been my favorite player, my dad loves him, my sister loves him. So he's like almost become like the fifth member of my family, uh George Kittle. Uh, So he makes he makes me believe he makes me believe in love.
0: He comes over for dinner on uh I, I wish, after games I on wish. Sundays or-
1: I mean I'd be afraid he'd eat up my entire kitchen, but you know, I'd be cool with it.
0: Maybe bang a head
2: through your front door <laughs> yeah.
0: as a way of
1: knocking.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a pretty incredible player, and you know, I didn't really know who he was until he started to uh, really pop. I think the the first time I really heard of him was that game where he had like two hundred receiving yeah. yards plus the in Broncos. the first half, yeah, and he was almost about to fucking break the record, and then no they didn't in throw the, it second to him half. the yeah. entire second half, and he didn't get the record. Uh, but I remember seeing that those clips on on Red Zone, I think, and and tuning into that, and from there, you know, he he continued to produce, and he's obviously a, a very very good and talented player.
1: One of the funny stories about Kittle is his lack of college production. He blames his quarterback, who was uh, C.J. Beathard. C.J. <laughs> Beathard. So it's like, oh, okay. Like You're kind of joking, but I think you're actually serious. Looking how uh, poorly C.J. Beathard has been the past few years.
0: And C.J. Bethard is on the same team as him now. Like, yeah, probably standing yeah. next to him during that interview. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. hilarious. That's hilarious. Uh, that was good. Uh, yeah, Kittle, I think you know he is probably the best tight end in the league right now. I will say all around, at least. You know, maybe yeah. Travis Kelsey is a little bit of a better receiver or yards-after-catch player, but nowhere near the blocker uh, that Kittle is. So if I had to pick any tight end in the league to have on my team, I would want Kittle. Hands Amen. down. Not even close. Uh, let's go to you, Casey. Who who
2: broke that heart of yours? Well, we were talking about Vince Young, and he was drafted by the Titans. So I'm going to stick with the Titans and go with Jadavian Clowney. And you know that was sort of his game against Michigan that iconic play was like sort of when I was just starting to watch more and more college football and I remember seeing that play and I was like oh shit
1: yeah that's, <laughs> yeah.
2: that's a grown man right there and uh I was like oh there's no doubt in my mind he's gonna like you know come into the league and be a dominant pass rusher for a long long time and He obviously has not been up to this point in his career. He's been a very good, very good run stopper, uh, but a pretty average pass rusher. So I I think in my mind, like draft pedigree, uh, thinking he's going to be like a huge, you know, world beater, this dominant stud kind of guy, and then to have a pretty average career so far sort of, you know, broke my heart a little bit. I wanted to see some dominant, you know, new Reggie White type physical freak just throwing people around and, and making plays.
1: Yeah, like you said, like if you're going to pick number one overall as a defender, you gotta be Reggie White 2.0 or Lawrence Taylor. You have to like be mm-hmm. a total game changer. I never seen that Jadavian Clowney ever wanted to be that good. Uh, somebody, he had that, the talent. He had surgery early early in his career too on his knee that I think uh, took some of the explosiveness now. But that play against Michigan, like you mentioned, is one of like the greatest college football plays I've ever yeah. seen. And um, you know, he he saw the chance, you know have a few more good years, but right now he's more hype than production. I mean, he had zero sacks this year, and yeah, had like four or five against the Seahawks, but he usually has that one or two games a year where you see that raw talent. That way he could be, but never quite got to.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked about untapped potential. I think Jadavian Clowney is the epitome of that. He has not lived up to what we thought he would be being number one overall, which you know, it is what it is, right? He's been decently productive, but not a, not a number one overall defensive end. But I will give him credit for that college play. Not many college defensive plays go viral the way that did. I mean, you'll see offensive clips and things and quarterbacks and running backs, wide receivers making plays. Um, but that that video I remember like was the talk of the town for a little while when it happened. It was like, dude, did you see what Jadavion Clowney did? And people were like, who's Jadavion Clowney? And you were like, this guy that just destroyed this running back. (laughs) (laughs) And you showed him that video. So uh, I think that video alone may have led to his name being associated with hype. And right now that Clowney name is still kind of hyped. And that's why he's going to get, he's getting paid and, you know, good for him. But I also hate him. So anyways,
1: (laughs) <laughs> i'm with you i'm with you
0: yeah i well, i have personal vendetta against him for hurting or concussing carson wentz when we were playing the seahawks but anyways that's enough hate on Jadavian Clowney. who made you a believer casey who do you love and have fallen in i don't know i don't know how to do this segment this is a weird how do i introduce <laughs> this who who do you who who's your valentine who's your valentine there you go, there you go. who's your oh, valentine you your football my valentine
2: Valentine is a number number uh, another number one overall draft pick cam newton because i did not think he was going to be a very good quarterback in the nfl i saw the way he ran in college and how he was throwing at auburn and he was very clearly a very talented athlete but i was like oh there's no way he's going to be able to sustain the punishment of an nfl season you know game in game out play to play and play in this kind of physical manner that we really haven't seen from a quarterback ever like he's running dudes over he's a big guy and he had some accuracy issues in college and and to some degree still had some in in the nfl but very accurate underneath and in the short short game and you know he sort of took the the nfl by storm for you know about probably about eight years before the injury started to catch up to him um, and for me has turned out to be one of the most fun players to watch like no play is ever dead whether he's you know 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage throwing off defenders and then turning around and getting an eight yard gain or uh, making stuff happen with his feet running people over making some nice throws he has a pretty strong arm just not very accurate deep um so he's been awesome to watch. He made me a believer and realized, you know, you know, maybe the NFL scouts do sometimes know what they're they're talking about, and sometimes the athletes do pan out.
1: Cam Newton is really the first of his kind in a sense that he was a high draft pick, that was a run first quarterback, but wasn't a guy who wasn't going to always outrun you. He's going to run you over, and to mm-hmm. this day, even you don't see too many of those kind of players. Uh, so he yeah, he was talented, guys, you've seen in college. But like you said, like he was just such an unknown. Like he had one good year in college, and that was it. And he's a six foot five, 250, you know, bowling ball almost, but either rocket for an arm. Had to learn how to contain it, uh, but had a rocket for an arm. MVP led a team through the Super Bowl. So he's a hell of a player, even if he's obviously not as good as he once was now. But like you said, he had that, you know, eight year span. Really like the middle of that. We won the MVP and, and was leading his mm-hmm. team to the postseason year on year out. Where he was a top quarterback, and if he really continued to develop as a passer, he would go down as all-time one of the all-time greats. Never quite got there, but definitely one of the more electric players of our era.
0: Yeah, Cam Newton, man. I like you said there. I don't think there was a player like him. We had Michael Vick, who was you know a mobile speed. quarterback, but yeah. this dude had speed and he was like two fifty. So you, you know. I, I don't know how you how you stopped him. And I mean, you look at his rookie season numbers. He had 14 rushing touchdowns. Like that's a lot for a quarterback. Uh, I I love watching Cam Newton. Um, I still do. I mean, even even though he doesn't play the way that you would expect him to play with the name Cam Newton, um, he's a, he's an electric player. He's fun to watch. He's entertaining. Um, so he, he he likes to make jokes on the uh, pre-snap, like with the defense. I don't know if you guys have seen those yeah, videos. Yeah. Fun, fun player all around, uh, and he's only thirty-one. There's still potential that he, you know, he, he plays at a decently high level. So uh, we'll see, we'll see. But Cam, dude, good, good, uh, good player
2: for sure. Well, sir, l- l- break it to us: who broke your heart? <laughs> who broke my heart?
0: JJ Arcega-Whiteside. <laughs> <laughs> this guy drafted in the second round in 2019 was supposed to be Alshon Jeffrey 2.0 he was supposed to come in be that big body contested catch receiver who can make plays you know toss the ball up to him he'll grab it good red zone target instead he has been the best bench warmer that we have the benches have never been warmer everything is cozy on the sidelines but nobody wants him on the field in two seasons he's had 254 yards one touchdown and 14 receptions there's like elite receivers who have that in like one game or two games and this dude has managed this in two seasons and you look at the players picked after him i mean obviously dk metcalf balling out right deontay johnson has some drop issues but a productive receiver for pittsburgh Terry McLaurin surprised everybody doing a lot of good things. Number one receiver in Washington, all these guys picked after him. And we got this guy who's not producing at all and who had a lot of hype and and hope around him uh, replacing Alshon Jeffrey, who also looks like he needs replacing. That's a whole nother story, but, um, you know, I don't know. It, 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 it just sucks. And, and, uh, I can't think of another draft pick in recent memory that's been quite as useless as as, uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside for the Eagles specifically. So that's a little bit of a personal pick, but that's going to be the pick that broke my heart. Do you guys have any thoughts on this depressing situation that might cheer me up?
1: To be fair, I also thought Arcega-Whiteside would be good. I'm like, oh, this guy's a big body receiver. Stanford doesn't throw the balls. That's why his stats aren't as high as the other guys. But yeah, he's been uh, nothing short of a train wreck. But he might have some value. You trade him this year for like a seventh round pick, so get something back from him. (laughs) No chance.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I honestly don't know that much about him because he hasn't been on the field. Um, Sometimes we'll be watching and Cyrus will text, so like, hey, Jay Jaw, he's on the he's on the field. (laughs) Uh, I hope we don't throw it to him. And uh, sure enough, the Eagles won't throw it to him. So uh, that's about my experience with the guy. And. you know, at least you didn't pay out the big bucks to to keep him or sign him to a new contract or something, like you maybe did with another position. Cool. Thanks, bro. Oh, uh, that, that, <laughs> shot,
1: that that shot Carson Wentz?
2: <laughs> it was a shot across the bow, yeah. It's okay. You know,
0: we won't dive into that. Maybe another offseason we can discuss the Wentz situation. I'm sure he'll be traded at some point. For what, we don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Jaw he looked good in college, too. Like, he he played well considering Stanford's situation, and he he had a lot of highlight plays, and he, he had a lot of contested red zone fade catches, he, he looked like he could be the guy, like he could be a good receiver in this league, and it just goes to show you, you know, draft analysis is not always 100% accurate, and on the flip side of that, somebody who proved me wrong, that also maybe draft analysis wasn't 100% accurate, DK Metcalf, we just talked about it, I mean, this is a dude who's putting up 10 times the production of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, and was drafted after him, I mean, he has. What, what do the stats look like here? He has 2,200 yards in two seasons, 17 touchdowns, 141 receptions as a, as a, I mean, to have these stats two years into your career as a, as a young receiver is insane. I mean, it's, it's almost unheard of. Um, and he really made me a believer. You know, I saw uh, you look at the 40 time, you look at his size, you're like, yeah, he's big and fast, but he had the worst three cones. So he has no agility, but clearly none of that matters, right? Because this guy beats anyone that's in front of him, um, barring except I think Jalen Ramsey shut him down one time. But this this dude's unreal. And I I every time I watch him, I die a little bit inside because he could have been an eagle.
1: Yeah, I famously on the first podcast we had uh, said he looked like Tarzan and played like Jane and uh, made me look real stupid. I look very stupid. <laughs> a lot of egg on my face after that one. Uh, of course, it does help when Russell Wilson is throwing you the ball. But Wilson's kind of throw the ball in his direction and said, "Hey, go deep. I'm, I'll find you." And he does. And he's a freak athlete. Last week, uh, I think Casey said he's kind of he, similar athletically to Calvin Johnson. Uh, I mean, size mm. and speed wise, absolutely. I mean, he's just a freak of nature. And that play he had as a defender, uh, tackling the Buddha Baker and that long interception, that was yep. like, one of like the coolest plays you'll see. Uh, so he he's definitely has a lot of promise. And, yeah, I, mean, I thought he was going to be absolutely garbage. And he has maybe been the best receiver in that class. I mean, there's a few guys that have been pretty good so far. But he's definitely up there uh, in the young rising stars in the NFL.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he is in the perfect situation in Seattle with, with Russell Wilson and the way that Wilson is able to throw the deep balls that sort of fit, fits his skill set perfectly, especially his rookie year as he started to become more polished and and work to sort of vary his route tree. Yeah. Um, but he's tough to stop, man. He's physical, he's big, he wins jump balls, he has strong hands, and when he gets the ball in his hands, he's tough to catch. Um, he'll he'll run you over or run right by you. So uh, very talented guy, and, and people sort of knew that. He had the straight line speed. It was just whether he could plant and cut and turn and and find ways to – to get himself open that's not just running in a straight line and he's done that enough i wouldn't say he's fantastic at it but he can run those slants he can run the comebacks he can run the the deep digs and crossers where he doesn't have to sort of break down and, and plant and cut super hard uh, keep that guy on the move get him the ball on the, on the move and he can do some some damage for sure yeah you can't teach speed and that dude has
0: it yep um Let's go to our next segment here. We're going to talk about would you rather's, some uh, hypotheticals, some situations, and give us our give our takes on what we think for certain situations. So the first one we have as the Bengals, would you rather have Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert as your quarterback right now?
1: Of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, but give me Justin Herbert. Uh, Justin Herbert was the probable number one overall pick heading into that season. And then Joe Burrow comes along and has like the greatest college season for a quarterback of all time. So they kind of had to go with Burrow, and Herbert asked him questions of accuracy. He knew he had a talent, but he, did he like football? Did he want to be a great quarterback? And he had one of the greatest rookie seasons of all time. And he was on the Chargers team, which doesn't have great coaching, didn't have great offensive line, had some good receivers, had banged up running backs, and he still balled out. And it's not a knock on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, I think, is going to be a very good quarterback for a very long time. But can you imagine if Herbert had the receivers he and or the receivers Burrow has in Cincinnati, throwing to A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins? Like, that's a really strong trio. And Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard are pretty good running backs, even though Mixon was hurt most of the year. Just the offensive line for Cincinnati sucks. But Herbert is more mobile, I think, than Burrow is. So he'd be able to evade some of that. And I don't think either one of them would have been great on the Bengals this year, but in terms of the future, Herbert looks like the real deal.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, look the, the situation for the Bengals is no one would have a, a ton of success. I don't think behind that offensive line and, and the play calling, but from what we saw, I think Herbert clearly looks like the better quarterback right now. Um, granted, you know, Joe Burrow didn't get the full season to develop and his uh, situation was a little bit less stable the offensive line was worse Joe Mixon was hurt a lot Um, so he didn't have a ton of support Um, they also lost their their tight end early Um, but Joe Burrow showed some some really nice flashes but if we're talking about who played better this year if you just you know control for volume and the amount of games Justin Herbert was the better quarterback and uh he had the lowest interception rate in the nfl or least amount of interceptable passes with 15 um you know he was handcuffed by pretty poor play calling uh, bad offensive line and still found ways to get his receivers his playmakers the ball he has one of the best deep balls in the league um he found his a, a way to keep his team in the game uh and you know looks to be low key, but the identity of that chargers franchise. And, um, I think he sort of fits the, the personality of, of the chargers pretty well. I think that the, you know, the chargers a little bit under the radar kind of have played second fiddle and, you know, Justin Herbert isn't going to fight that too much. Uh, he's not a big personality, but he sort of just, you know, goes to work, does his job, you know, is competitive and, and does what he's supposed to do. And not that Joe, uh, Joe Burrow doesn't do that, but, um, for me, Herbert seems like the clear choice, knowing what we know right now. I still think Burrow is going to be, you know, a really good quarterback. But uh, if we have to make a decision right now, I'm rolling with Herbie.
0: Herbie, okay, that's that's cool. You just giving him his own best friend, <laughs> <laughs> your yep. buddy Herbie. I like it. Um, I was torn on this one. This is a really tough choice. I mean, you look at these teams; they're kind of similarly positioned in that they have. Um, The skill positions, I I know you said that the Bengals are better. I don't know that that's the case. I mean, minus health issues for the Chargers, but Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are pretty damn good. Uh, Hunter Henry is a great tight end. So I look at these teams, and interestingly to me, I feel like they're similar offensively. They both have absolutely trash offensive lines. I think Pro Football Focus ranked the Chargers 32nd and the Bengals were 30th. So they're both just really bad. And the last thing you want for your young quarterback is for him to be under pressure constantly. Um, but granted, I think both of them handled it really well. Both of these guys are legit players, and I think they're going to be good starters. You can't really go wrong, in my opinion. Herbert had more time to grow and adapt, and and that showed, I think. But we saw a lot of flashes from Burrow. I mean, don't forget, this is a dude who had like a 400-yard game in the season. Like, he looked legit this season. So if I had to pick right now, I think it's too soon to say Herbert is better than, than Burrow because he got to play 33%-ish more games this season. I think we could have seen Burrow come on strong, we don't really know what would have happened. Um, but up until that point, I mean, they played similarly statistically. Granted, I know you mentioned the the interception statistic as well, Casey, but i like what i saw from burrow you know it's it's not necessarily a tangible stat i can point to but i think i would i would trust burrow a little bit more right now um you know but like i said can't go wrong with either of these guys
2: yeah and i think you know evaluating quarterbacks is one of the more difficult things for you know front offices and for fans and people that watch film to do and uh you know, obviously, th- sometimes things translate from college to the NFL, and sometimes they they don't, and new things pop up, and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I think a big one, and I don't necessarily know that it's lacking for either of them, but almost any quarterback that makes it to the NFL can make passes from the pocket. Uh, if, they, if they're clean and they're not pressured, they should be able to make every throw that you ask them to make. So... It's the quarterbacks that can make stuff happen when everything goes wrong, when there's chaos unfolding, they have to scramble out of the pocket navigate things that are generally the more successful guys. Because if you can only succeed in a perfect situation, uh, football doesn't have very many perfect situations, so you're, you're going to be in trouble. And that's sort of what you see with guys like Jared Goff. Uh, sometimes Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo. Yep. They need like the perfect situation around them, a nice pocket, and they can deliver and make really nice throws. But when that doesn't happen, uh, they start to struggle. And I think both of these guys showed at times that they can make things happen when things start to crumble. Yep,
0: absolutely. Think- let's let's uh, go to our next scenario here. We got essentially two different scenarios. Uh, three, three. So, no, 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 two. I misread your your text here, Dergan. So assuming you have an average quarterback... Right, It'd be just kind of who Casey just alluded to. Let's say a Jared Goff type, or a, I don't know if this is going to offend you, Durgan, but a Jimmy Garoppolo. No, it's absolutely uh, true. Would you rather have a top three wide receiver on your team or a top three running back if you had to choose one or the other?
1: So I think the difference between a top three running back to a, a top you know, 10, 15 running back is much larger than... For receiver. If you're a top three receiver versus the 10th receiver, I don't think there's a huge gap there. There's a gap, but not a huge one. The running back, there's only four or five elite guys, in my opinion. And the rest of them are solid options. That all being said, give me the receiver. Because the running back, there's a lot more variables in play. Because uh, they have to be able to catch. They have to be able to beat off routes and stuff like that. If a top three receiver, you they can essentially beat you in so many ways. And even if you have a... Average quarterback, play calling wise, you can free up those guys. You can't free up a running back. So if you have, you know, Julio Jones, let's say, and you put him on the Niners right now, and you have an average quarterback like Jimmy G, but you have good play calling, he's gonna get 100 yards a game still if he wants to. It comes down to whether he wants to play because he's so much more gifted than a corner. And also, it's impossible to play corner in today's NFL. It's the toughest position, in my opinion, besides quarterback, because it's so tough to defend these guys without getting a penalty thrown on you. So, give me a top three receiver. I think they can change the game. And even if they can't, quarterback can't get in the ball. Reverses, screens, a lot of easy, high percentage uh, passes or throws that these quarterbacks can make to get these ball into these guys' hands.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with your overall sentiment. I I think, you know, even the top-tier guys, like who at the running back position, you know, we say every year don't pay running backs because the the shelf life is not very long. Uh, They're not super impactful players on your roster. Maybe for a couple of years, you know, with Zeke or... McCaffrey like they can be your offense but uh, then they go down or they have a down year and and all of a sudden you know they're just eating up a bunch of a bunch of cap whereas I think receivers have a little bit more longevity Um, you see them playing into their 30s much more often and and still being productive Um, and having a true number one and somebody to you know force light boxes and double coverage I think is more valuable than having a running back that, that demands heavy boxes and, and singling up average receivers outside. So for that reason, I would take a a, a receiver, and uh, if the the option was available to me, I would just take the, the top three offensive line. Offensive line or offensive tackle? Uh, that's a good question. That is a good question. I, one good offensive tackle does not <laughs> really do a whole lot so i would need the the top three line as a whole before i maybe give me two three three fifths of a top three Three offensive line it's a little too
0: generous i think i get two fifths (laughs) you get you get a tackle and then one other interior lineman
2: oh boy uh i would probably still take that i would still probably take the offensive line
0: i think i might i think i might do that too you know i I think we talk about building through the trenches all the time um, and like you mentioned, Casey, you know, without without that line to give time to the quarterback to make the throw to the number one receiver, or to give space for the running back to run through the hole, none of these player playmakers really matter, right? So um, I think I'd agree with that. But if we're strictly looking at wide receiver or running back, I gotta take wide receiver. Just just like you guys mentioned, uh, I think they help your average quarterback a little bit more. And I think the running back production you would get from a top tier wide re- running back, excuse me, is less of an increase than the top-tier wide receiver versus an average wide receiver, if that makes sense. So, like, here's here's an anecdotal example. So we talked about Christian McCaffrey a little bit. When he went down this past season, Mike Davis came in And that team looked just as dynamic and just as good on offense as they did with with Christian McCaffrey. Granted, he's not Christian McCaffrey, right? He does not have the same playmaking abilities as Christian McCaffrey. But the production was more easily replaced than if you were to lose somebody like a Julio Jones, or if the Packers lost Devontae Adams, that team, we've seen that happen. That team is a totally different team without Devontae Adams. So whereas you know Aaron Jones if he goes down Jamal Williams can can kind of pick things up AJ Dillon looked like he could he could take up some of those those uh mm-hmm. carries and and produce so i think just just uh based on history and what it has taught us i got to go receiver i think it's hard to replicate the abilities of a true number 1 receiver
2: we all agree with you yes oh. That's
0: all I want. That's all I wanted in life. Cool. All right. Let's go to our last one. We got a situation here that this one is a little bit less hypothetical and a little bit more real. This could potentially happen, and we're going to talk about what we would prefer. But would you rather trade three firsts, a starting-level quarterback, and a young defensive stud, like a good player, like we're talking like a Nick Bosa-type player maybe, for Deshaun Watson or get Stafford at what the Rams ended up paying for Stafford? What do you guys think here? Which would you prefer?
1: You, when I first wrote this out, I was okay. It's gonna be Watson, easy. But now I think about it, and the inspiration was a hypothetical trade from the Dolphins would be three first round picks, including this year's third overall pick, Tua and Xavier Howard, for Deshaun Watson. So, in theory, that's five starters, including a young quarterback who looked okay this year. Didn't look terrible, but it looked okay. For Watson, who is a great player, but doesn't have much postseason success. Or Stafford, who is, by all accounts, a very talented guy who has been in a bad situation, but very talented, picking up two first round picks and Jared Goff, who is an average quarterback. I'm taking Watson still. Because he has the possibility, I think, of being a top three quarterback in the game at some point. I think after Brady Rodgers move on, it's him and Mahomes. Uh, maybe Herbert or Josh Allen uh, all up there as the best quarterbacks in the league. But you are giving up a lot of capital. And when you trade for Watson, you better hope the rest of your roster is ready to pick up the slack. Compared to Stafford, or, yeah, the Rams don't have much depth but they're ready to win now because they have Stafford and they have everything else around them relatively in decent shape.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think like you said, your roster has to be ready to compete right now. If you're going to take Watson, because the thing is, if you are going to take either one of these quarterbacks, uh, they're going to push you at least to some relevancy. So you're not going to be drafting high draft picks anymore. Um, so, you know, that mitigates the the cost a little bit, theoretically. If you expect to be picking in the 20s, you know you're paying, whatever, three or four uh, 20th picks versus top five picks. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I think there's, you know, quarterback is the most important position on the field, obviously. But we see that they need help. And quarterbacks can't just will a team – alone to Super Bowl championships. Um, You know, there's been a ton of very talented guys that have have tried, uh, but you need pieces around them. And for me, Watson is too expensive. You're giving up too many pieces to have success with that quarterback with Watson um, for that period that you have them. So if Watson's on a four-year contract and you're giving up three firsts, a stud on defense, and your current quarterback, you know that's potentially four blue chip players that can sort of take you over the hump and help you compete for a Super Bowl. So you know you got to be ready to win right now if you're willing to pay that off. Stafford is a little bit easier to swallow because uh, it's only two firsts, but. uh, you know, theoretically, you have reinforcements coming in towards the end of the contract, and you can get a little bit younger and, and you know, make some moves in, in free agency. But for me, m- the way I would view team building is I would go for Stafford and uh, not overpay for, for Watson. Yeah, I was also torn on this. My
0: So my thought here, and I know you kind of mentioned that for both situations, you would want to be in win now mode. But my thought is, I would, pr- I would only trade for Deshaun Watson if I knew he wanted to be on my team for a long period of time, if this was his final destination, right? He's a 25-year-old quarterback. He has got at least probably 10 years left in him in this league, if not more. And he is looking like he could be one of the best in those 10 years. So is the price worth it? Yes. But with the understanding that listen, Deshaun Watson, you're coming, obviously, logically, we're giving up a lot of assets for you. The first year, the first two years, it may be, you know, a little bumpy, like we know you just came from a situation that was the bumpiest situation in the league, probably maybe if not the bumpiest one of the bumpiest, right? So Deshaun Watson has to understand that the situation he goes into is not going to be necessarily ideal if a team is trading away all of these assets. But that being said, if you trade for Deshaun Watson, in my opinion, you're looking at the long term. You're saying three, four, five years from now, Deshaun Watson is is in his prime, and we'll have our assets recuperated, we'll have enough cap space because we restructured such and such, whatever the GM managed to do, and make this team a contender. You're not looking like, hey, we're we're signing Deshaun Watson, we're giving up all this talent, and we're going to win a Super Bowl this year. I think that's what the Rams are doing with Stafford, in which case I like that move. But if you're looking long-term, I think you're giving up the short-term assets for long-term benefits that's that's sort of my take on it and i would probably
2: take watson in that scenario i agree yeah i, I, I don't know i don't know I'm, i guess i'm the odd, odd one out <laughs> I Loser. don't know. even if you if you only hit on one of those three picks uh to me it's that's worth more i think with maybe a slightly worse quarterback than watson well, here's what
0: I'll say. I think Deshaun Watson's floor right now is Matthew Stafford's current ceiling at his age. Uh, I think agreed. so. Uh, boy.
1: Watson's good. Watson's is very, 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 very good. Yeah, for sure.
2: It is not Matthew Stafford's ceiling. Deshaun Watson's floor. I'm saying right now, his? Deshaun,
0: okay, he led the league in passing. I'm just saying right now, Deshaun Watson and Matthew Stafford are relatively equatable. Stafford's not going to get better as a quarterback. He's already reached his peak he's good he'll stay at that peak through his career sure. but Deshaun watson's twenty five he's been in the league less than what is it three four years four he, years yeah he'll he he still has a lot of room to improve and if he's already as good as Stafford now the gamble of what you're paying and where he could be i mean you you're hoping he becomes the next Aaron rodgers you know et cetera right sure that's what you're that's what you're paying for now
2: yeah yeah i I hear that but I don't think that's worth giving up building a team around him. And if I was him, honestly, I wouldn't want to go to a team that's giving up three first round picks because I know I have no help for four years. Uh, I mean, would it be four
0: years necessarily, especially if the Dolphins with multiple first round picks? I don't, I don't know that it would be. It, it, it could be a faster rebuild than you think. I mean, teams have done this in the past. And then even if it's on Deshaun Watson's second contract, that team can easily retool and rebuild and be competitive with Deshaun Watson. Like I said, I don't think, I think he needs to understand if, especially if he wants out of, out of the Texans organization, wherever he goes, it's probably not going to be instant success right away. And he might be fine with that given the situation he's currently in. So I'm just saying you, I don't think you give up what you give up for Deshaun Watson to win now if you're any team.
2: Yeah, but there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to sign them. If you lose for three years and Watson is over it, and he doesn't want to stay with you because you mortgaged your future with three first-round draft picks, what's to say he's going to re-sign with you? That's the risk you take. But what's what's to say Matthew Stafford's going to be
0: Matthew Stafford when he's 35, 36 years old? It's the same no, situation. That's the risk
2: you take. Exactly. You're paying less for it. You're paying less for it.
0: But are you paying less for it? I mean, in theory, you're really not, especially if you're the Rams because you already traded away all your picks, right? And, well, in theory, in actuality, you are.
2: Okay, Elaborate you're paying less first round picks than you are for watson you're paying two first round picks versus three yeah and a young defensive star and a starting quarterback well they gave up jared goff so that starting quarterback
0: is still in the conversation so it's just the defensive star that you're that you're referring to which i think is worth it for the upside i mean on the chance that deshaun watson becomes the guy and he wins with you and you sign him long term and that's your quarterback you don't need to go look for a franchise quarterback it's the hardest thing for an organization to find i would i think it's worth the risk I think the juice is worth the squeeze on this one.
1: Ooh.
2: Well, I think you're squeezing straight lemons. No sugar. I, okay. <laughs> 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 All right. I, let's wrap
0: things up there on episode 78. Uh, thank you so much for sticking with us. You guys have any final thoughts before we close things out?
1: No. 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 Both Lovely. said. Squeeze Lovely. boy or lemon squeezing. Now it's stuck my head the whole day. All right. <laughs>
0: awesome awesome well thank you for sticking with us for episode 78 we greatly appreciate it before we head out i want to give my co-host a chance to plug some upcoming content for you to keep your eyes on casey what do you have coming up sir
2: yeah i'm going to be talking about cyrus's favorite quarterback kurt cousins oh boy who we had a fight about last offseason um but i did a breakdown on him and he is one of the best pure throwers in the nfl but there is one thing that's holding him back Mm. Tune in on Thursday to find out what that is.
0: I am excited to hear about this one thing for sure. And my (laughs) has the landscape changed since we had our Carson Wentz versus Kirk Cousins argument. Holy shit. Uh, Anyways, uh, Durgan, what about you, Manon? What's on the horizon?
1: Yeah, uh, two scouting reports, uh, both Panthers, Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver. And then uh, I didn't write these, but we have three talented new writers uh, joining the team. And they're doing a team breakdown for the offseason. So the first uh, group was Raiders, Niners, and Packers. Those will all be up by the time you hear this.
0: Awesome. And you can check all of this out at weeklyspiral.com. Again, that's weeklyspiral.com. Check us out there. Find us on Twitter, Instagram. You will not regret it. This has been a Weekly Spiral production, bringing you fresh football every single week. Thank you for tuning in to Episode 78. We hope whatever else you get up to the rest of the day, evening, morning, whenever you're listening to this, it is awesome, and we'll catch you next time for Episode 79.